heart of every man craves a great adventure, but life doesn't usually feel that way. Jesus speaks of narrow gates and wide roads, but the masculine journey is filled with many twists and turns. So how do we keep from losing heart while trying to find the good way when life feels more like a losing battle than something worth dying for? Grab your gear and come on a quest with your band of brothers who will serve as the guides in what we call the masculine journey. The masculine journey starts here now. Welcome to the Masculine Journey. We are so glad to have you with us today, and and we do need your help a little bit. We need a little bit of prayer because we are all just kind of tired today. It's like we could use an extra hour's sleep. It is. It's it's daylight savings eve. Oh yeah, that's what it is. That's why we're tired. That's what happens every year. That hour that you needed is on its way tonight. Yeah. It's nothing like it. Yeah, don't forget to change your clocks, right? If you haven't heard that a thousand times, this is a thousand and one, right? But don't is that forget this weekend. It is this weekend. Just kidding. And it's not tonight. It's actually like two in the morning. If you want to know to be technical, Al, as we had that conversation. That's earlier. why it's daylight savings Eve, because if today was Sunday, it would actually be the day. Right? How could it be daylight it and Eve? That just seems like an oxymoron. I'm leaving my clock the way it is. Good. He's acting dysfunctional. And he won't be on the show <laughs> next week because he'll be late. <laughs> I'll um, be late. He'll be late. And he is acting dysfunctional. And that, that does bring up the topic of the show today a little bit. And we've kind of laughingly um, called this the Everybody Has a Springer Family Show. And if you're not familiar with that term, it's talking about Jerry Springer, the show that it may still be on. I don't know. I never really watched it. But it always dealt with the dysfunctions in life. And I, I've had a great time in my mind playing out Jerry Springer interviewing characters from the Bible. Can you can you picture <laughs> Isaac and Jacob on the Springer? <laughs> he took my birthright first, you know, and oh, that was just a pot of stew. What are you thinking about? You know, and then you can see Esau trying to get over the top of Springer, and you can get all that. And then, you know, Joseph and his brothers. Sarah you know. and Hagar. Yeah. <laughs> Isaac and Ishmael. You and your dreams. What are you having to do with the dream? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, it's, it's one thing after the other. Yeah, yeah, I guess the question would become, you know, is there anyone in the Bible that we know of that we can verify that escaped having a dysfunctional family? That's a challenge. Did, did Jesus escape that, Robbie? No, there's no doubt. He himself even makes mentions of, m- mention of it. He, you know, he quotes Micah 7 as, as, as part of what he does, but then you got the whole thing with his brother saying, oh, you're going to go show up. You know, we could have that on Springer. Yeah. Just yeah. a little bit. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of sibling rivalry or yeah. dysfunction, right? That happens. But you know what? I, I think for most of us, I can't speak for everybody out there listening, but I think for most of us, there's a period of time when we didn't really realize that our family was dysfunctional, right? I mean, you're kind of growing up and normal to you is normal, right? I mean, that's your normal that you grow up with. And so you don't know anything different until you experience more life. And that actually brings us to a clip. Oh, a yeah. wonderful clip. <laughs> I love using clips from movies that are a challenge. How do you get certain movies and get a clip from them that kind of leads to the point God's wanting us to talk about and from a movie you don't expect? There and you this go. is definitely a movie you don't expect to get a clip from. And it's from the original movie, Austin Powers. And before you shut off the radio, stay <laughs> with it. It is a great clip and it is clean. It took a lot of editing, but it is clean. And in this scene, you've got a Dr. Evil who has a son named Scott, and they go in for counseling. Uh, Dr. Evil literally frozen for a number of years, and he's woke up. He has a son. Just a little dysfunctional. A little dysfunctional. And you're going to listen to the interaction with them and the group uh, and the counselor. 
We have some newcomers here today with us. Say hello to Scott and his father, Mr. Evil? Evil, actually. Dr. Evil. So, Scott, why don't we start with you? What brings you here with us today? Well, I just really met my dad for the first time five days ago. I was partially frozen his whole life. That is beautiful that you can admit to that. He comes back and, and now he wants me to take over the family business. But Scott, who's going to take over the world when I die? Listen to the words he used. Who's going to take over the world when I die? Feels like that to some of us sometimes, doesn't it? <laughs> so, what do you want to do, Scott? I don't know. I was thinking I like animals. Maybe I'd be a vet. An evil vet? No. Maybe like work in a petting zoo. An evil petting zoo? You always do that! This is what I'm talking about. Okay, well, we've heard from you, Scott. Now, uh, you, tell us a little about yourself. The details of my life are quite inconsequential. Oh, no, please, please. Let, let's hear about your childhood. Yeah, yeah, Scott, okay. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. Very well. Where do I begin? My father would womanize, he would drink, he would make outrageous claims like he invented the question mark. Sometimes he would accuse chestnuts of being lazy. My childhood was typical. Summers in Rangoon, luge lessons. In the spring, we'd make meat helmets. When I was insolent, I was placed in a burlap bag and beaten with reeds. Pretty standard, really. <laughs> We're we're choking back laughter here. The, you know that's just such a uh, over the top clip of somebody saying, "Well, my life was normal." Al, as you listen to that, what were you thinking about? I, we couldn't use a fur helmet, so it had to be a meat helmet. <laughs> and I, I have no idea what that is. I, I have no. I idea. googled it. There's, it's not a bad term. Trust me. I looked it up, but there's no definition. There's just a lot of questions on what that was. But but the norm for him was completely different from his son. Yeah. Burlap bag treatment, you know. Yeah. Well, that's not so odd. Yeah, and, and there. Just to put out a little disclaimer, there. This is not a family movie. No. <laughs> okay. No. It, we're not supporting the whole concept of the movie. We're just taking that clip leads us to some truth, some truth that God wants us to know that we can't escape that in our lives. And why can't we escape that in our lives, Robbie? Why can't we escape the fact that every family at some level has dysfunction? Right, it may not be your immediate family, which most times it is. It's definitely in that next ring or two. As it moves out, there's dysfunction there. When I came to the second boot camp, and I'd heard Darren talk about that, a lot of folks would say, well, I had a normal childhood. You know, My father was an axe murderer and, 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 and these kind of things to where I got the idea from Darren ahead of time that normal may not necessarily be normal. And so when we started talking about the wound and I was looking for freedom, asking Jesus to come into my life, um, and we started going down that path, I remembered a time where I attempted suicide. And I went, wow, I bet that's not normal. <laughs> you know, and, and because all of a sudden I recognized that, you know, that's not really normal. There's, there's probably a wound there in there, Jesus, and, and we have something to walk, work with, and it, it led to a great deal of freedom for me. Mm-hmm. And now, as we talk about, you know, the effects of a brokenness in the family, it's a bigger issue than that, isn't it? Absolutely, because 
Well, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't it really reflect the world around us? Well, when I think of a dysfunctional family and I think about how the enemy comes in and they try to uh, make things worse, they try to turn us against each other. And from a minute a child is born, they're learning to use their five senses and operate in the world around them. And so the enemy wants to keep it that way and keep you away from focusing on your spirituality. And so when, they, when he attacks you in, by the things going on in your life, he keeps you focused on the things going on in your life and less about God. Absolutely. And we're going to talk a lot about that in the, the second segment, about how the enemy tries to use that. Right, but it is a big tool that he uses to kind of go after us, and we're going to kind of unpack that some more. Thanks, Al. Vinny, a question for you. As we look at the world around us today, I mean, it's normal, right? I mean, there's no brokenness or dysfunction in the world, is there? Uh, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> Holy mackerel, where can you look in this whole world that it's not dysfunctional? Right. Really. People killing each other and chopping heads, and this is normal? Yeah. I don't know if that's all normal. I mean, and here in our, our own nation here, look what's going on in Washington. I mean, for crying out to you, that, that is so dysfunctional. Uh, and how do we resolve it? I really don't know how to resolve it. I remember me growing up saying to myself a million times, this is not normal the way we live. Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, I hate my father. Oh, I wish my mother would shut up so she didn't get hit, you know, and mm -hmm. totally dysfunctional. You know, how do you get out of it? I have been on this earth now for, in my 80 years, and mm -hmm. I think most every family that there is has that type of dysfunctional uh, times in their lives. Does it go away? I don't think it does. I really don't. No. I mean, I'm going to go home tonight. And I'm going to, uh, well, I'm here now, but I'm worried sick about my wife who's blind. Now, that's making me dysfunctional. Okay, I'm here. Concentrate on what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But I'm not. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't even know if I'm making sense. But to answer your question, just the whole world is dysfunctional. Absolutely. It's a broken world full of broken people, right? And that doesn't escape our family, right? And, and so you may have people out there, and you may be one of them that says, all right, my family's not dysfunctional. And I'd really say, really? Once you look a little deeper, I'm sure there's some level of it and ask yourself, really, what is normal? You know, one of the stories in the Bible that really touches my heart, because I can relate to the different personalities, there's a family where uh, one of the sisters is just so focused on what she has to do, and that's where she gets her self-esteem. You got another sister who was so full of sin, and then she comes to a point where she needs to get rid of that sin. I mean, she was basically your party girl. She goes to Jesus' feet and she cries to wet his feet and she uses perfume on his feet. And we see that Jesus loved this family. And I'm talking about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And so, I mean, Jesus makes it clear he loves them all. Are they dysfunctional? They're so different. But yet, you know, this is a family that he attaches himself to and shows great, great affection for. Yeah, it makes you wonder, you know, as we've said often on the show, that. You know, the Bible's um, a book of examples, not exceptions. And so, you know, maybe some of those stories in the Bible are to let us know, you know what, it even happened way back then. You know, just talking about, you know, David's family, you have the whole thing with him and Bathsheba and her husband. That would be a movie of the week, you know, at some point. And topic. think about Hosea 
and yeah. you know god asked him to yeah. create dysfunction to marry a prostitute right and all that that led to uh is a picture of grace that's phenomenal mm-hmm. but it was actually you know god saying here's what i want to have happen realizing the dysfunction and the the sin that's involved absolutely you have in david's family as well you have you know the brother and the sister where there's sexual abuse there i mean there's real life things that happen in the bible and i think god puts those in there to let us know it's real you're listening to masculine journey when we come back we're going to talk about how the enemy uses that how we can fight against it and start to enter into okay what do we do now if you want to get more information on anything we might have coming up or to get a, a previous podcast, go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org. Again, that's MasculineJourneyRadio.org. Your phone, your tablet, your iPad, your Android just became a radio. That's right. You can take the Truth Network with you everywhere now thanks to our brand new Truth Network app. That's right. Listen to Dr. Michael Brown in the Line of Fire, the Christian Car Guy with Robbie Dilmore, Truth Talk Live. All of our programming 24-7 right there in your hand. Perhaps you're out of range of your radio or traveling in a busy airport. You can plug into the Truth Network. Just go to truthnetwork.com to download the new free app. That's truthnetwork.com. In 2003, James Minor, a veteran of 26 years, suffered a paralyzing injury that changed his life. And his wife has dedicated herself tirelessly to caring for her husband. My role as a caregiver, it's a 24-hour, seven days a week. There's no breaks. Paralyzed Veterans of America has been fighting for over 60 years to make sure our veterans get all the benefits they were promised and all of the support they greatly deserve. You can help. Visit pva.org. Welcome back to the Masculine Journey. We are having a, a great topic, I think, today, but I think that every week, Robbie, don't I? Yes, well, it's true. It is true, <laughs> you know, and, and it's great to see God kind of work in that and lay these topics on our heart. Exactly. You know, because often we don't have weeks and weeks ahead prepared, and maybe that shows and maybe it doesn't, but no, we don't because we walk with God in this, and God lays these things on our heart to talk about, and we know that it's, it's for us, partially, but it's also for people out there. And so we're just praying that, you know, if this is for you, that there's something in this show that would really speak to your heart to kind of open your eyes to what's really been going on in your life. But Robbie, you picked a clip that I want to go ahead and go to here in a second uh, regarding this topic. Can you tell us a little about, about this clip and set it up? Yeah, it's another one of my older movies that was actually in color <laughs> and a talkie. So a newer one. Yeah. It won an Academy Award for Best Picture. It was called Ordinary People. Mm-hmm. And it was such a picture of dysfunction. Uh, as I was listening to the trailer this week, it actually, I, I sat there and cried as I thought about all the dysfunction of the pain that was in there and how it was not coming out to a, a, a healthy place. In this typical town, in this comfortable home, three ordinary people are about to live an extraordinary story. It's starting all over again. The lying, the covering up, the disappearing for hours. I will not stand for it. I can't stand it. I really can't. What kind of psychiatrist are you? They all believe in dreams. I do believe in dreams. Only sometimes I want to know what's happening when you're awake. I don't want to see any doctors or counselors. This is my family. But if we have problems, then we will solve those problems in the privacy of our own home. I knew something was wrong even before he tried to kill himself. I think it is a very private matter. You never came to the hospital. Now, how do you Conrad, know about the your hospital? Your mother did come to the hospital, Conrad, and you know that. I just don't know how to deal with it anymore. Why are you hassling me? Huh? Why are you trying to make me mad? Why are you mad? No! He provokes people. 
I would never have let him put electricity in my head. You blame me for the whole thing. Can't you see anything except in terms of how it affects you? I miss it sometimes. A hospital. But that was a hospital. This is the real world. Did it hurt? Never really talked about it. How long are you going to punish yourself? When are you going to quit? I loved him. What must happen? That she hates me. Can't you see that? Mothers don't hate their sons. I mean, there's someone besides your mother you got to forget. You better make sure that your kids are good and safe. And then you come to me and tell me how to be happy. Do you love me? Do you really love me? Just do one wrong thing. And what was the one wrong thing you did? Donald Sutherland. Mary Tyler Moore, Judd Hirsch, Timothy Hutton, in an extraordinary story of ordinary people. Wow, Robbie, there's a lot in that clip. I mean, I've listened to it a few times now, and I pick up something different every time. Yeah, it's there's a lot of pain in there. The story is actually of a brother and his, and that went sailing, and the one brother died. And the other brother was not the favorite, according to the mom. And since, you know, she, he saw where he disappointed his mother, um, you know, he attempts suicide, which is clear through the clip. So you got the, the suicide attempt, the mom who's trying to deal with the other son's death, and now this son's trying to kill himself. She's got a very common dysfunction where mm-hmm. she doesn't want this going outside the house. We can't let the light come in and try to heal us here. She wants to keep it all in the home. And... And I think for me personally, the place in that clip that offers the most hope is that if we could just, this is where the healing begins. If we can bring it out into the open and let, you know, God come in and heal. And so many times the problem is we want to keep it hidden. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not putting anyone on the spot and I'll speak only for myself, but, you know, there's dysfunction in my family. Yeah. Right? I mean, me too. Ta-da! That's a big surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've listened to the show, you're probably not surprised. Are we anyway. related? Yeah, <laughs> yeah indirectly. Um, but there is dysfunction in my family, but there's this whole thing of saying, you know, let's just deal with it here. I'm going to pray about it here. I know God's going to work on it. You know, I don't really want others to know what we're dealing with because the enemy tries to, to make you hide that, doesn't he, Al? He, he tries to tell you that you're the only one. Absolutely, and that's in that what the enemy does. They call the herd. They wait till you're alone, where you're by yourself, and then he can just wreak havoc in your mind. I mean, I tell my kids that the one thing you don't ever want to do is let the the Satan get into your kitchen and cook a mess. Mm-hmm. And that means when he gets in your head and starts, you know, telling you bad things about yourself. That and, and in our family, I'm real purposeful because similar background. Um, and I want to make sure that they have the the ability to tell what's on their mind, to say what's on their heart, and for people to listen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's absolutely important because when you feel like you can't talk in a family, well, right away, that's when the enemy starts telling you, you're not important, you don't matter, you don't count. Right, and he gets a foothold, a big foothold in not only just one person's life, but often the whole family's life. Yeah, you because know, it's just, you know, nothing comes outside the family. We're not going to deal with it. But my experience has been when you step out a little bit in some faith and let the Holy Spirit lead you, and you have a conversation that you're incredibly uncomfortable with, with someone you're not sure you should, because, but you just feel like you should, God usually has a point for that. All right, let me say it again. God always has a point for that. Right? And most often I found that 
that person he leads me to talk to is dealing with something similar. Maybe not directly, but, you know, on the fringes of their family. You know, and, and so it is out there. You know, just to look at statistics of, you know, one in every, I think it's four girls deal with molestation as they're growing up. It's 25% of the people have had that in their life. Directly or indirectly. Right? But you don't hear that. Right? And you're starting to hear some more of that domestic violence that's just been coming out a lot this year with some of the NFL players. How long has that been around? Yeah, really. Right? And so, Robbie, as we talk about this a little bit, you know, what are those things you think that, that keep, keep people from bringing it to the light? Is it fear? I mean, what is it you think that, that causes them to say, I don't know that I can let people know about this? Well, shame is a, is a gigantic thing. And the thing that I was reflecting on is, you know, as we do boot camps and you get up and talk about your, you know, your situation with being molested and, and other people have talked about their situations with being molested. I had something similar in my own life. And as we talked about those things, it was amazing. And, and often with family members, the people that came up that then were able to get that out of the dark of their life and begin to shed some light in it and bring some healing because they realize wow i'm not the only person that that had this too and it's fascinating to me how god heals us so that we can be a comfort to others it's in you know first corinthians how you know god comforts us so we can comfort someone else and how many times sam has god brought you people based on finding out that your testimony is along those lines oh absolutely you know and you have that aspect of it but then you also have in our little small group here you know, there's, there's, there's five of us that meet pretty regularly. You know, we do the show together, but we don't just come to do the show. We love doing the show, don't get me wrong, but we stay after the show and we spend a few hours just doing some life stuff together, talking about what's going on. And, and we can often find that, you know, maybe something I'm approaching now um, with my family, you faced, Robbie, because you are just a little older than me. I give you, <laughs> I give you grief. I'm not, honestly, I'm not joking. You're just a, a few years older than me. Or, you know, your kids are a little older than my kids. You know, Al, your kids are a little bit behind ours. And so we have some opportunities to say, yeah, i kind of been down that road. Maybe not exactly that way. But this is what it looked like for me, and this is how I got through it. Right? And that gives some hope, doesn't it? Having the Band of Brothers is a big thing. And, And also, one of the things that's helped me through this is recognizing that I can break the cycle. Once I recognize what it is and I can identify it, I can step away from it. I was raised in a very angry environment and I brought that into my first marriage. I brought it into my second marriage. And then I started to recognize the spiritual warfare involved. I recognized that when I'm under that spiritual attack, there's an anxiety and an, uh, that, that perpetuates the anger or maybe it's an excitement and I just can't stop it. And whenever I start to feel that now, then the whole family's aware that we, any of us can step into this. We, st- Anybody can say, hey, let's stop and pray. Because if they see me getting upset or we see one of the others, maybe my wife, she can withdraw. That's kind of her nature. For me, it's to get angry for her to withdraw. If I see her withdrawing, I say, hey, let's pray about it. If she sees me getting frustrated or angry or overly excited, she says, hey, let's stop and pray. And that's our defense mechanism. That's how we cope. We don't, you know, we don't do anything about a problem until we bring God in the middle of it and get the spirituality back in because we know the enemy, he wants to take the spirituality out. 
He wants it to be about all the things that are happening that you see, that you feel, that hurt your heart, that hurt your eyes, that hurt your mind. God wants it to be about, hey, let's stop and think what we have in common, what we can do to love each other, what we can do to help each other. But that kind of goes back, thank you, and you're right on track, but doesn't that kind of come go back to a topic we talked about on just a previous episode that really some of what prevents us from doing that, I would love to say that every time there's a problem in my life, my wife and I get on our knees and we pray and we, we take it to God first. Oh, I didn't mean to imply that it was that healthy. <laughs> okay, well, it is. It's pretty healthy, but... You know, a lot of times I just want to try to fix it. You know, there's something in me that says, okay, I want to try to fix this situation. Yeah, I know God's there. I love him. I trust him. I know he loves me, but there's something in me that wants to fix it. And there's some level of control or maybe a distrust of God. I don't know. But that's a previous show. If you want more on control, go back (laughs) and listen to the show, MasculineJourneyRadio.org. That is a plug, but it was a good show about what really is underneath control, right? And so as we talk about this topic, we have a little, just a, uh, a minute or so left. As we talk about it, what's something that you could do right now, between now and next week, that says, okay, I recognize I have this situation in my life. Okay, now what? And what's, what's the now what? What do you do now? Okay, you've raised this awareness. Okay, Sam, I buy in. I get it. I see it. I saw it when you did the Austin Powers clips. You had me at hello. You know, that kind of thing, right? <laughs> Okay, so what now? Al, what, what do they do now in your thought? You know, it's going to be different for a lot of people. Sometimes it's going to be finding someone to talk to about it, uh, whether it's a brother or whether it's counseling. Um, another thing you need to do is, you know, find a way to grow your spirituality through faith, through prayer, through Bible study. And I know that seems like a cliche, but having been somebody who lived on, on the edge of anger all the time, that is the one thing that got me through was running towards the light. Robbie, what about you? What would you say that there's a place that they start? Yeah, you're not alone. Yeah. And so who can you find that you can trust? And that might be somebody at work. It may be that you go find a counselor, but it's admitting that I, I can't do this alone and certainly asking God, who can I go to? Yeah, and I know that uh, I really am learning more and more as I attempt to get wiser along the way that you know there's so many times i got to go to god and say i just don't know what to do here i don't know how to fix this i don't know where to go i need you to father me through it and we also have a show back on fathering so go back and listen <laughs> masculinejourneyradio.org next week we're going to probably talk a little bit more about this topic and step more into the healing process and what god desires to do thanks for listening